hold hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Hello, and welcome to Luke Law, a companion piece to the Ghost Story Guys when I'm supposed to be referring to a GSG episode with extra folklore details surrounding the main show topic, but I've pretty thoroughly gone rogue at this point. Special welcome to any poor lost souls who blundered into this on Apple, where all of Luke Law just went up in the education tag somehow, or through YouTube. Hope you enjoy the show, every listener is appreciated. Bit of an academic one this month as I clean up a request I got a while back. A patron, whose name I was too dumb to record, sorry, asked me to take on Ouija boards and tarot cards. I managed a whole ep on Ouija boards back at Luke Law episode 7, but for tarot I'm going to do a broader episode on divination covering a few different areas. I will be attempting to use assorted Spanish, Italian and French terms this episode, so I apologise in advance to each nation for my typically terrible pronunciation. I folded divination into one umbrella heading because ultimately they are very similar. I'm being incredibly vague here, but it really is that broader topic. Horoscopes, runes, tarot, the four pillars of destiny, just so many different flavours of scrying. All of them can address questions from the past and the present as well as the future forecasts they are well known for. As for which one is best or the one true method? Depends on who's trying to sell it to you. If these work at all, and I'm a fair bit sceptical onto that, they seem to come under one core tenant. Ask the universe a question and practice listening for an answer. The framework you pick and practice with are a matter of personal taste from there. Frequently, these have some sort of religious significance, quite often that of assorted neo-pagan beliefs and classical traditions, so I'm not going to flat out go on the attack here, although I do have some bones to pick with exploitation, which I'll get onto later, there's a fair few interesting things to highlight in this topic. All that being said, I don't expect anyone to give up on a personal faith one of these forms represents. Just for the love of what of you hold dear, don't squad up and scrap over this. The last thing I want to see is a forum post about how the Tea Leaf tribe struck a blow against the horoscope hegemony and some poor bugger lost an eye. Let's start it off with the reason I approached the topic at all. Tarot. Tarot is an odd one, as a lot of mysticism usually relies on an appeal to ancient wisdom, usually at some sort of distance. I find that odd in Tarot's case, as the regular deck of playing cards is older than that of a tarot deck. There's a manuscript from 1377 that details playing cards as we understand them now existing then. A 52 card deck with four suits. Swords, clubs, cups, coins. These original suits can be referred to as the Latin suits and are still found in Italy and Spain today, although there are variations in the size of the deck depending on the game being used. The original Chinese playing cards which are theorised to have disseminated west via Arab traders could come from as far back as the Tang dynasty around the 9th century common era. The bridge to Italy where the modern version of playing cards have emerged is likely Egypt in the Mamluk period. Mamluk decks had suits based on the interests of the aristocracy that seem to have direct parallels with what came after. Swords, polo sticks, gold coins, goblets. 
Compared to all of this, the first tarot decks are relative newcomers, despite the mystical weight they now carry, originating in northern Italy in the late 14th or early 15th century, which puts them a little after the Latin suit decks of playing cards, and way after the Egyptian and Chinese versions. The oldest surviving set was created around 1440 for the Duke of Milan's family. This surviving artifact is known as the Visconti Sforza deck. The suits for modern cards shifting eventually from spades, clubs, diamonds and hearts to become swords, batons, coins and cups here. I talk about the mystical weight of tarot, yet discussing the origins are a little misleading for that. These proto-tarot cards were for a game called Tarocchi, and a lot of their striking imagery is based on the costume figures that were used in carnival parades. The decks were renamed as Tarot after they moved to France, and it wasn't until they got adopted by the occultist movement in the late 18th century they got their mystical notoriety. Once adopted by the occult movements, the suits changed slightly again. The batons become wands, and the coins become pentacles. Well, unless they are sort of become rods, staves, or discs. There's a lot of variations, especially the earlier you go. Where tarot appears to have really made an impact is in the strong carnival imagery used at the Tarocchi inception. Stories of all kinds of media, basically across all genres and from all around the world, find a lot of value in tarot imagery, and that really helps the impact of a tarot reading. These simple, evocative core concepts make for a great narrative, and they are present in so much fiction that can only help the tarot deck itself really resonate, sort of a cultural feedback loop from around the world. Moving on from tarot though, when I was a teenager I was rather enamoured with Nordic runes as a form of divination. Now my current position remains that all divination is a form of asking the universe a question, then trying to discern an answer but Nordic runes do remain pretty damn cool to me. Something about them really stood out to me when I was younger. Anyone who listens to Luke Law probably won't be surprised to hear that I'm something of a sucker for mythology, and Nordic runes tying in so closely to their pantheon of gods was an instant hit with me. It shares something with tarot I like quite a lot as well, but in a different tactile way, that there is a huge variety in ways which to draw and read them. Got a quick question? Shake up your bag of runes and pull one blind. Simple past, present, future reading. Three runes, in order, impacting each other in turn. This is nothing special to runes. Any method is pretty handy doing this sort. Tarot especially is great for shuffling up for a quick reading. Runes get mighty fancy as you go big though. Hammer of Tor and Tree of Life readings look great, even before you start trying to unpick the meanings of each placement. Making your own set of runes was really appealing to me too. I mentioned the tactile element. What do you pick? A tree branch to cut, scorch and varnish yourself? Collect the perfect set of similar stones from riverbeds? Get super fancy with chunks of crystal that mean something to you? And great, now I want to make my own set of runes again. Moving on, I've been dancing around this one, but I know I need to tilt at this windmill and not everyone is going to be happy with me for doing it. Horoscopes. Astrology may be the hardest one to talk about, and it's the one which needs the most yelling at. There are effectively two types of astrology. There's divination based on the positions of the stars, when you were born compared to how they are positioned now, taking into account all the heavenly bodies of the solar system. This version is extremely rare to the point of virtually no longer existing. 
Then there's the horoscope industry, which craps out minimum effort vague statements for maximum monetization. The actual artists here, should you manage to find one, will be surrounded by charts in a workspace filled with extra symbols of your birth to help them focused. What most people get instead is a half ass plot wheel at best, and is more often a computer automatically spitting out random Barnum statements. The amount of money that can be made off the demand for an eye on the skies horoscope overview has massively oversaturated the market, with product that almost certainly hasn't bothered with the least distinction for actual astrology methods. But this has in turn created something of a pushback against this empty commercialization, in large part thanks to the internet connecting people with shared interests. If you are at all interested in your star sign, get on social media. Genuine enthusiasts are sharing what they know out there, and not only is it free, it'll be way more astrologically appropriate than what the people trying to rob you are selling. Overall, divination really isn't my cup of tea, although I know plenty of people who do swear by it. I'm not here to try and tear it down, this was a quite fun observe and report dip into the topic for me. But if you are drawn to one of these methods, or all of them in general, I will beg you to not just throw money away on the zero effort operations. Daily horoscopes aim that just the signs are the broadest possible non-statement shuffled up at random, and calling a celebrity premium line for a recording, or agency workers reading off a script for the day, these are just cash grabs that will mean very little to you. Fortune cookies are a legitimately stronger reading than these scams, as a whole lot of dominoes have to fall just the right way to get a particular cookie into your hand at that exact time. Go and get a custom reading, or actually pick up one of these methods as a hobby for yourself. If you want to ask a question in good faith, find somewhere you will get your own answer. As is usual by now, I bit off a little bit more than I can chew here, and there is just absolutely loads more to go into at a future date if you're interested. Let me know if you'd like to hear more about unusual methods of divination, such as philidomancy, where you attempt to divine the future based on the movement of cats. That's all for this topic for now though, but not yet this Luke Law. I have a very happy benchmark I passed. A fan bought me a coffee. Well, they wanted to buy me a drink, but I'm teetotal and have a crippling coffee addiction, so it became a coffee in line with my vices. So a huge thank you to Mark Semler, who absolutely made my day this month. Coffee packs a better buzz when it has fan backing, and I got a real thrill out of having to some extent made it. As a part of the thank you, I would also like to shout out his website, Blue Pint Society, which advocates for awareness of testicular cancer. Feel free to go and have a look over there. It's all for a better cause than caffeinating me. No one needs to throw coffee at me, as gladly as I will catch it. I'm just happy to be heard and to interact with people who are listening. I'll be back in a month with another topic, currently penciled in as Japanese yokai, although I'm in a good position to play pretty fast and loose with topics. Followers on Patreon get this early, so check out patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys for that and all sorts of other cool incentives if you want to support us directly. Although I always say this, I always mean it too, just listening is plenty of support in and of itself. Let's see how being on Apple goes for me, I would love to grow the show. Hopefully you all enjoyed it, please feel free to reach out to either myself or the main show at any time. Questions? Feedback? Requests? Luke Law now has its own contact point with lukelawgsg at gmail.com. 
The main email will still get to me eventually, though, if you want to still use ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. You can also find me directly as Lou Greensmith on both Twitter and Facebook. Comments that turn up where you've managed to listen to Luke Law are always welcome too, although depending on where that is, it may take a little while for someone to spot them. Uh, on Patreon, first. On YouTube, we have no idea where the notifications of that go, but we will check occasionally. Also, don't forget the GSG Instagram. Times are trying right now, but we're focused on entertainment over doom and gloom, so come and join in a happy place. Goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.